Well, good morning to all you brave folks. Glad to have you here today. If it's your first time or your time, first time in a while, we certainly welcome you and glad that you're here today. Um, we have been going through the book of Genesis and it's been a very powerful uh, book. And one thing we learned from the, the, the New Testament, if there's a quotation in the New Testament, it's normally always from the Old Testament, the first five books. And so that's the Pentateuch, uh, the, uh, the Torah, as the Hebrew people would call it, the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, which Moses wrote. And so uh, what we've been trying to do is we look through the book of Genesis. How many more times did the stories of Genesis get repeated in the Bible? And it brings about how important those stories are. And so there are certain things that we will never understand about the rest of the Bible if we don't understand the beginning of it. It's like get opening a book and reading it in the middle of it. You won't get it until you get the beginning. <clears throat> so we've been going through the book of Genesis. Uh, and uh, today's my subject is when your life is stuck. I mean, it's felt stuck lately. Uh, there's some people probably quarantined and they really feel stuck. <laughs> But sometimes our life feels stuck, and I'm going to talk about that today. Uh, how do we live in what would be the reality gap between what God has promised and the circumstances in which we find ourselves today? Uh, and so we look at, uh, we're going to start today as we looked at the book of Genesis. We looked at how God created this beautiful world that we live in and how that he created Adam and then from Adam he created Eve and then how the serpent came. And the serpent uh, tempted Eve, and then Adam followed thereafter, and uh, they were cursed. We don't understand. We could see little pictures of Job where there was a time the devil went to and fro, and, and, uh, and so have you tried my servant Job? And, uh, and, you know, Jesus, I mean, God asked that. Have you, you know, they said, nobody really serving you. And he said, have you seen my servant Job? And then God moved the hedge and let that hap uh, certain things happen to Job. But everything that happened to Job, God restored, you know, many, many, many times over. We don't know if that's a, a forerunner. That book was written before Genesis. The Bible is not in chronological order. The story has pretty much been put in the Bible to be uh, the way the story goes. But we find out before Satan was cast to this earth, he was at the, up in heaven. And the serpent, Satan, Lucifer was in heaven, his job was to be a covering. We don't know totally what that means, but he was a covering. We also know that he was one of the most beautiful angels, and also he led worship in heaven. And so usually if you ever want to find an attack on anybody, let them be in worship. <laughs> worship is a, a key factor to churches and lives, but I mean true, genuine worship. Uh, well, the devil was cast down from heaven, and then God put man on this earth, uh, and we often wonder, well, maybe why, why God put man here on earth? We know God's a great redemptive God. God is a restorer. God's a rebuilder. But whatever we understand or don't understand, he put them here, and then evidently they were given a lease to this place called earth for so many years, and they would be the uh, rule. And so that's the way it started with Adam and Eve, that Adam and Eve, they were like... They were not gods, but they're like many gods. They operated that they could name the animals. They could uh, have dominion over everything that was. Uh, and that was things like God done. They got to be creative. They got to have children. And uh, there was a lot of the, the very nature of God seen in the beginning part of the of book of Genesis. Then we know the serpent comes in, and Adam and Eve, they fall. And some believe that there was something about that, that they surrendered the dominion, the power, the authority of this earth. That somehow or another that they did that. And so we find this thing in Genesis 3.15 where he says, because you've done this serpent, you're going, to be, uh, you're going to be crawling on this earth, which we know he's ultimately other earthly. Probably the most earthly creature on the face of the earth is the snake because it just wallows on the ground as it crawls goes into holes to hide and stuff. Uh, and so we know that it said that there was going to become a seed of a woman, and this seed of a woman is going to uh, 
bruised Satan's head. The seed of of Satan is going to bruise. And so after this prophecy was given in Genesis 3.15, we see that the enemy is looking everywhere. He's trying to figure out the plan of God. And so uh, Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. So maybe that serpent thought, well, maybe, uh, I believe it may be Abel is the, the seed that's going to bruise me. So uh, we know that Cain killed Abel. We see this repeated story over and over. Uh, a lot of times it's the firstborn that starts being killed a lot. Then it switches. You start seeing the blessing go to the secondborn. And you see this always. It's almost like a shell game. Where's the seed? Where's the seed? Because we do realize there is a godly seed, the seed of the woman, and then there's a satanic seed. So as you study the Bible, what you want to do is figure out the nature of God and the nature of the good seed and the nature of the evil seed, Satan's seed. And the way that you do this is follow the patterns. Uh, Follow the patterns in Scripture. It'll reveal itself all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So we notice that, that God, he come to give us life and give us more abundant life. The devil, is uh, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Uh, so the devil, the, the bad seed, if this is over here represents the bad seed, the bad seed is about death. The Old Testament, he said, if you do this, you'll surely die. The Old Testament reads like an obituary column. So-and-so lived so long and they died. So-and-so lived so long and they died. They died. The New Testament reads like a birth announcement. So-and-so was born, and then so-and-so was born, and so-and-so was born. Uh, direct difference between the Old and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you see that this, uh, this death keeps happening. They were to live forever. They started off living to be eight, 900 years old. And you start seeing after sin enters, they, they get younger and younger and younger and younger. Uh, they die younger until the basic life of man becomes 120 years. And so you see this pattern that the devil, you see the, the devil's seed constantly killing babies. Uh, you, you can go through the Old Testament and find time and time again that some mysterious thing comes up. Uh, some king feels threatened, whether it be Pharaoh or whoever. They say, we're going to kill all the firstborn babies. What are they doing? They're trying to kill the seed. Whether it be in Bethlehem, kill all the babies. They're trying to kill the seed. And so they have no regards to life. They have no regards to uh, uh, living or life or any of those things. Uh, We know that Satan is a liar. So the seed of Satan has the nature of a liar. Uh, The nature of a murderer. A nature of a killer. Uh, But God is about life. He's about liberty. He's come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So the whole story of the Bible, you're going to see the story of two fathers, uh, a father God, or you're going to be be about father Satan. And the New Testament, Jesus said, well, you know, you're telling lies. You are of the devil, the father of lies. So Jesus points out, even if they thought they were religious people, said, you're of the devil. You're of the father of lies. So the scripture is talking about two fathers, a heavenly father, and there's a false father, which is Satan. There's two seeds. There's the seed of the woman that's going to be blessed. And then there's the seed of Satan. And so uh, we, we look at it some, we look at these first uh, 11 chapters of Genesis. It's pretty much how the world began. And then we get to Genesis 12. We begin to see an, an elaborate story laid out by Moses who wrote this. Genesis 12 through 50 is going to be about the history of Israel that started through Abraham. How many ever as a kid sing that? Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. And that song goes on forever. Well, it's kind of like the stories of Abraham go on forever. Because Father Abraham is talked about Genesis uh, 12 through 50. So a lot of the rest of Genesis is going to be about the, the nation of God. It's going to be about Abraham. Uh, it's going to be about the good seed. And along the way, you're going to find out about the bad seed. Well, Noah, finally, we, we, as we read the book here, we'll find that Abraham, one-fourth of the book of Genesis is about Abraham. One-fourth of the book. Abraham's name occurs 234 times in the Old Testament. And like I said, it occurs 74 times in the New Testament. 
So Abraham's a major figure in the scriptures. And uh, so we see what's happening. Moses is writing the children of Israel. And he's talking to them people, those people there that are living in the gap. So see, they had been given a lot of promises from God, but they didn't feel like many of their promises had been fulfilled. That's what I want to talk about today. When you feel stuck, sometimes how do you feel? We, we do get a feeling when stuff starts happening to us. We start feeling like, I don't feel right. I don't feel good. How do you feel when there is a huge difference between what you, you felt like God has promised and what you actually see? You go, God, I thought if I was a Christian, this wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. And God, where are you now? And why am I going through this? How many has been in the gap a few times in your life? And maybe even today, you're in the gap. You're wondering where God is. Well, we go a little further then. Not only how, do you, how you feel when you're in gap, but what do you do when you're in this gap? What do you do when you're in this gap where the vision you once had of the way your life was supposed to turn out or, or, or work out crumbles before you in dust nothing you dream it could be your marriage you said well I'm going to marry until death do us part and you parted long before death it could be your children uh, situation it could be your health it could be a lot of things we get to these places in our life like what is going on and why is this happening how do we live in the reality gap the reality here's our reality right now not what was not what will be. The reality is right now what we're living today. Today seems to be very important to us. Today, some of you are just thinking, when I get out of here, I'm going to try to find a store that's got some toilet paper. You know, that, that's your reality. And I, you know, it'd be funny somebody listen to this story many years from now. They won't even know what that means. But the reality gap is what God has promised and the circumstances in which we now find ourselves. So uh, I believe that why Moses wrote this in Genesis, uh, was for motivation. He was kind of being a, a motivation to them, the people. Because, see, now Abraham was leading this nation. He was called of God, and he was fixing to go into Canaan. Well, uh, Noah had three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. You're going to find that uh, from, uh, you're going to find that two of the sons went kind of one way, and one of the sons went the other way. Ham ended up being the bad seed. So one of, one of Noah's sons became the bad seed. Guess who's in Canaan right now? Got to Canaan first. Ham's children. So you're talking about all relatives. If you, if you were to do a 23andMe uh, DNA test on yourself, you'll find we all come from the same place. So look over and say, how you doing, cuz? You know you married your cuz? <laughs> really? Because all the entire race come from Ham, Shem, and Japheth. It ended up, you'll find the division of a bad seed and those that were the good seed. And it, it's hard to follow. You go, well, that's like predestination. If I'm predestinated to be the bad seed. I'll never be the good seed. That's not so. You'll find Moses says, you know, uh, you need to choose which way you're going to go. Joshua said, serve you the, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. He said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So there's always a choice there that you can, you can choose to follow the bad seed, believe the lies of Satan, and be cursed, or you can choose to be of the seed of God and, and be blessed. And the reason we know this is uh, we know that in uh, Jericho, that was the bad seed. Jericho, if you study the scriptures, that was a bad seed. And Jericho was going to be destroyed, but there was a lady there. She was not a nice lady. She was a harlot. And she, she took care of God's people. And the Bible said, if you bless God's people, God's seed, I'll bless you. She blessed them, gave them a hiding place. And so they said, well, when the city uh, tumbles down, just put this red cord out your window and it will not befall thee. If you were to go and look at the walls of Jericho today, you'll still see one place where there's a window. I guarantee you that's the rehab, the harlot's room. God's word is true. We know it's true. There's too many ways we know it's true. It was written by, over a period of time, uh, uh, by uh, 40 different authors at different times, and the story just keeps going like they were all writing from the same book, the same pen. And so Moses is trying to motivate the people. They, the way you thrive in the gap is by obeying and embracing the call of God. 
obeying God. So we're going to see this story. There's a lot said about Abraham in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, the Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11th chapter. You find these guys, and this is considered the faith temple, but it's hard to understand what faith is. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So you, you can't see it. Many times you can't feel it. You may not even hear it. You can't touch it. God said, do it, and you just do it. Some people say, well, that's blind faith. Exactly, it's blind faith. It, it truly is blind faith. If God says, do it, do it. So many times it don't make sense. One time a man came to Jesus, and he was blind, and Jesus took and got down on the ground, and he spit in the mud and rolled it up and put it in the guy's eye. He's like, man, this is a big joke. Look at this guy. And he told him to go wash it in the well middle of the city goes in there and he washes and he comes back seeing but on the way it must have been a long way he's in the dark he's got mud in his eyes everybody wouldn't have been laughing if they knew who put the mud in his eyes it was God Almighty or what about the, the, the men that had the leprosy about to fall down up here the men that had the leprosy what about that man it said uh, he prayed for them and he healed them and he said go show yourself to the priest so if you had leprosy, it was like having this uh, COVID-19 virus. You had to be isolated, and, uh, and you had to uh, be away from everybody. They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't come to town. They had to kind of put this big barrier sticks in front of them, unclean, unclean, as they walked through the city, and everybody moved out of the way. Well, he said, you know, he told them that they were healed. He said, go show yourself to the priest. What was the priest going to do? The priest was going to look at him and say, okay, you're healed. You can now come and you don't, you can now come where public is. You can now come to service. You can come and be in the house of God. And so nothing happened to them when he told them they were healed. Couldn't see nothing, didn't feel nothing. But it said, as they went, as they went, headed toward the priest's, they were made whole. And so th th we find then that faith, faith, faith is a noun. I'll give you some nouns. Uh, morgue is a noun. <laughs> Graveyard is a noun. Uh, the above says, faith without works is dead. Well, what is faith? Faith is believing. It's, uh, faith is, uh, is stagnant. But believing is a verb. It's actionary. You, you're in action. So if you have faith in God, put your faith into action. Stand on it. Walk on it. Believe on it. If God says something, you start working to the priest to show yourself because God said you're healed. If God says, go and wash your eyes, it's like they come to Jesus and they brought all these pots full of water. And, and, and they said, Jesus, you can turn this water into wine. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. <laughs> and... <laughs> And he said, you can turn this water into wine. And Jesus' mother, you know, she's around him a lot. That's Jesus' mother. She's the bearer of the good seed. She said, whatever he says, do it. The, the, the ultimate of what faith is and believing is, it's doing it upon the word of God. If God calls you, do it. Go. You go. And you go see sometimes how difficult that is as we look in this story today. Uh, this has been a, a weird week with all this uh, virus stuff going around. And, you know, some churches are counseling. I didn't get on, you know, all the pastors getting on there doing a video. I'm not against you getting on there doing a video. But, I mean, it had been fine if we'd done a video. But I think y'all are smart people. You've already watched 25 hours of CNN and Fox News. You know what to do. And even if you didn't watch it, you know what to do. You've been learning from, since you was a child what to do. So I didn't think I needed to insult you by telling you to wash your hands. You use whatever precaution you've been taught. And uh, it's fine. That's what we want. Oh, you Listen to God. Listen to your own conscience. I believe there's more going on here. We, are, we were in one of the most powerful economic climbs that has been known to America, basically. So many things were going the right way, and then, bam, this hits. Well, I'm not a conspiracy 
crazy nut, but somebody sent me this morning, and I haven't had any time to look at it, but how many of you are avid readers? Has anybody in here ever read Dean Coote's The Eyes of Darkness? Somebody back there has? In that book, in that book on page 312, this is back in 1981. Everybody say 81. On page 312 of this book, it says, In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived. Attack again uh, about 10 years later and then disappear completely. All right, the next page in that book says, this is back in 1981, you know, he writes a novel type story. He says that they call the stuff the Wuhan 400 because it was developed in the RDNA labs outside the city of Wuhan. And it was the four, 400th visible strain of a man-made microorganism created at the research center. Uh, they said this, this uh, Wuhan 400 is a perfect weapon. Uh, and somebody wrote that in 1981. Did they know something? I don't know. If they were just theorizing, they're pretty good at just theorizing. I believe there's a good seed in this world and there's a bad seed. I believe there's a father of truth and there's a father of lies. And my feelings is we got to be careful that we don't run scared. I said we need t-shirts that says, ain't scared. You know, because that's the way we'd say it in Cumberland County. We ain't scared. Uh, the Bible says, fear not. And I'm not making light. If my, my mom's in the hospital right now, been sick. And I, I realize for the elderly, it's, it's, a, it's a big concern. And everybody has to use whatever precaution that you need to make. I'm not making light of that. I don't know, maybe this was a little thing they threw out because the, the kind of the trade wars between America and China. I don't have any, any truth to this. But maybe it's just something we threw out there like, that's just a little thing that'll go away in a few days. You keep messing with us and you'll see something that won't go away in a few days. We know that there's biological warfare that, is, that countries have been working on and developing over the years. Will one day somebody throw something out there that can't be called back? I don't know. I don't know, but here's the thing. We stand in the gap today between heaven and hell. We're on this earth, but we're looking for a home that's not made by hands. Very similar to the situation with Abraham. Abraham was not a good man. He was living in a land of, uh, of idol worship. And yet God comes to Abraham and said, Abraham... Abram, I'm going to make you a great man. I'm going to read to you out of the Bible here in Genesis 12. And Genesis 12 said, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country. Now here's, here's some things he's going to have to sacrifice. He said, I want you to go from your country. So he's going to leave his country. You're going to be leaving your people, your father's household, much like the prodigal son, if he'd have stayed at his father's household, he'd had his father's wealth. To a land I will show you. All right. Abraham's like, well, where's that land at? I'm not going to tell you, but I'm just, I'll show you when you get there. How many likes that kind of map? I'll show you when you get there. Many, many times in healing all the way through the Bible, it's like, you go do this. You go dip seven times in the muddy river. Why? I ain't going to tell you why. You're just going to be glad you did. Faith is obeying God when you have no reason whatsoever to obey Him. You don't have one reason to obey Him. And so, he says, here's the thing. He said, I, this is God speaking. I will, or Moses speaking, he's talking about God. I will make you a great nation. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make you, I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you will be cursed. 
And all people on earth will be blessed through you. God doesn't make us stagnant resources. He makes us conduits by which the blessing of God can flow through. You quit being the conduit and try to be the resource, uh, just gathered, hoarded resources, and the, the flow will stop. So Abraham went, went, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Where? He said, you're going to be uh, a father? If, if I was looking for somebody to be a father, I wouldn't go to a 75-year-old man and a 65-year-old woman who has passed their prime and say, I'm going to make a great nation out of you in some nursing home. Most of what God says never makes any sense at all. And so, and you go, well, you know, you just told a few weeks ago people lived to be 900 years old and 700 years old. And I, yeah, but this was different. The, the average age of someone having kids back then was 29 years of age by the time it got here. We're talking about 10 generations away from Noah. And so, uh, he took his wife, Sarah. Sarah's name means princess. I'm going to tell you something. What is that? That means high maintenance. <laughs> any woman, any girl wearing princess on their garments and they're above about 10 years of age, guys, you need to run. That's high maintenance. But evidently she was beautiful. You'll find out that she was so beautiful that as they went into other lands, they were afraid. Even Abraham lied and said, that's my sister. That is not my wife. And uh, you'll find that uh, the enemy took her and took him into his house to make her his wife. And because they did that, they were cursed. And long story, I don't have time to read that story today, but uh, she was beautiful. So now Abraham's got a beautiful wife and he's leaving everything with this wife. And he's going to a land he don't know where. He don't know how far. He won't even know when he gets there unless God tells him. And he tells him he's going to be a father and he can't have no kids and his wife can't have no kids. Somewhere in there, in that gap, there's somewhere in there that we should be doubting. But he's not doubting. He's going. He took his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot. And some believe the reason he took Lot is because if you're going to be the father of a great nation, you probably need to have a son. And Lot's parents had died, so he kind of adopted them. But Lot never was the promised seed. Never was. Actually, you'll find that Abraham starts treating him as a son, which is all right, especially as an adopted son. The number one reason for divorce back in that time was if your wife couldn't have any children. Pretty good, easy way to put her away. because That meant you were in the dead-end gap. There's no future for you and your family. You don't have any kids. And so we find here, we find here, you'll keep saying these words, seeds, there's a good seed and there's a bad seed. You're going to see where Abraham kind of grafted or tried to bring Lot under him. And he called Lot his son. Lot never was his son. Finally, you know that they, they were blessed so much. God said wherever the soles of Abraham's feet that he would be blessed. It didn't matter if he's in the city or in the country. I'm just going to tell you, whether, wherever there's a shortage, make sure you're under the rule of God because you'll be blessed. No matter if you're in the city or in the country, you're going to be blessed. So Lot thought that maybe, he, that maybe he was the reason of the blessing. And so he peeled off and went his own way down towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And he found out the blessings of Abraham did not go with Lot. But Lot loved, Abraham loved Lot. So he got down and he interceded. See that word there, interceded. He began to take that seed that was not of his loins, was not his seed. And he said, God, my son Lot is down there in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I, I'm praying. That's where we get the thought of praying for somebody and interceding. We pray for them like they were our very own family, our very own seed. See, God's not a respecter person. You may be in the lineage of the bad seed right now, and God will make you a good seed. Or, you know, God, he, he, he hadn't turned... The door, he hadn't shut the door on anybody as of yet. But there is coming. If people keep following the ways of Satan, the father of lies and the nature of Satan, there's going to come a day that the door is shut and it is over. And so God leads them to a place called Canaan. Canaan was the promised land. So here you are, you're being led to your promised land. And when you get there, guess what? Somebody's already got there before you. Who got, who got your blessing before you got it? Who got to your promised land before you got there? They get there and guess what? 
the bad seed of Noah, which was Ham. He was the cursed son for what he did. That son was in Canaan. So here comes Abraham along. And he goes in there and he goes into Canaan. Why? God told him to. See, we don't understand God is always penetrating the darkness with light. God is always trying to plant good seed among bad seed. Because he wants people to see the contrast, the difference. God come to save the world. When we get saved, he said, go into all the world. What is the world? The world is filled up with bad seed. He wanted them to take the good seed to the bad seed world and, and cause them to want to come to the good seed side. The Bible is kind of very simple if you understand it by fathers and seeds. There's, you know, there's a good nation and a bad nation. There's a way that is right and there's a way that's wrong. You're either in the right way or you're in the wrong way today. There's no in-between of that. But I want you to see the contrast of people that are a part of the bad seed. Now, Ham family, they first go... After the flood, they go over to Babylon, which is where, uh, right outside of Babylon, where is now Iraq. They go there and they build, you know, that's where Bab- Babylonian is, and they build a tower. Sam did a great job of preaching that last week. Well, if you go back uh, a few verses over to chapter 11, verse 4, and they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a, with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make, will make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So God meant for them to be scattered. He wanted them to go. I don't know who you're talking to here. <laughs> I can say Sherry and that thing will go, what? Because uh, Sherry and Siri. But I'm going to tell you something. This, this land, this Tower of Babel, what did those people that were away from God? When, when Satan was in heaven, he was a worshiper, he, he was a covering, and he, what did he do as he got cast out? He exalted himself. I will exalt myself. I, 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 you can see all those eyes. Anytime you see the bad seed in the scripture, people going down the wrong road, they're full of I. Uh, Romans 7, Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I do. 32 times the personal pronoun I is used in that short chapter there. The middle letter of pride is I. <clears throat> the middle letter of sin is I. The devil is very uh, narcissistic, self-centered. And it's all about self-centeredness, self-work, making a name for yourself. Most people today that get drawn aside, they get drawn aside by the lust of their flesh, the pride of their eye. They, they get drawn aside because what they're being drawn to is they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to make themselves something they're not. How many has ever saw somebody on Facebook and that picture has to be doctored? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where does most people lie on a dating app, you know, or on a job app? So Ham goes and the first thing they do, they try to build this tower until God stopped it. And instead of being spreading out, they were going to be held together. They were going to make a name for themselves. They were building to make a name for themselves. Satan is always trying to get you to do in the flesh what God intends to do for you anyway. When, when Satan come to Jesus out in the wilderness and Jesus was led out in the wilderness, Jesus was not afraid of the devil. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the devil in the wilderness and the devil began to tempt him. If you'll do this and do this, I'll make a name. I'll, you'll have the kingdom of this world. And Jesus didn't buy his lies. He didn't buy none of his lies. And Jesus just quoted the word of God. And so we, we see this. And so the Tower of Babel, they're trying to make a name for themselves. When we get to the story of Abraham, Abraham, God says, I'm going to make you into a great city. That's what they were doing without God. And it didn't work. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great name. You know, as you're growing up, it's kind of like a little kid goes to school and they says, well, little boy, who do you belong to? Well, my dad is so-and-so. My dad is so-and-so. Because probably the dad's got a bigger name than the child. Some of you, your kids have grown up and they've done amazing things. And now when people said, oh, you're the parents of so-and-so, it switches. 
It switches. And now, oh, you're so-and-so's dad. I, I'm not much in Knoxville. Both my sons are in Knoxville. They go, oh, you're Matthew's dad or you're Michael's dad. It used to be, oh, you're, you're Dennis's son. And so what happens? Abraham, because Abraham seeks to make the Lord great. He seeks to obey God. He seeks to believe God. He seeks to do whatever God does. Says God says, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make your name so great, Abraham, you're not even going to believe it. And so later on, how does the Bible address Abraham? They go, hey, this is the God of Abraham. Not Abraham's God. This is the God of Abraham. You know, Abraham, that's his God that split the Red Sea. That's his God. And you know what? God wants to make us great. He wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. But there's a way to it. You can see the bad seed. What did they do? They attempt to build for themselves a name. Well, the amazing thing about this story about, about uh Abraham, Abraham traveled through, uh, the, through the land as far as the site uh, of the great tree Morah and Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were already in the land. The bad seed was already there. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To you and your offspring, I'm going to give you this land. What is their land now is fixing to be your promised land. It's not a promised land now, but when I get through with it, with you there, it's going to be a promised land. And I'm going to give you the land. And what do people that's of the nature of the good seed do? And it said, so he built an altar. He built an altar. What did Noah do when he got off the ark? He built an altar. An altar has this thing about it. An altar is something that you kneel down to. You humble yourself. God said if you humble yourself, he'll exalt you in due time. One of the, the, the most degrading things about the church today, the church has tried to exalt themselves. If we'd only humble ourselves, the nation that will humble itself, God will make great. He humbled himself. He built an altar. What do you build an altar for? To sacrifice. God finally eventually gave Adam and, and I mean gave Abraham and Sarah a child, and what did God said, I want you to take and build an altar. I know you know how to build an altar. I want you to build an altar, I want you to put your son on it. Grant said, that don't make no sense, but nothing he's told me so far made any sense, but it come out all right. So he's going up the mountain with his son. His son said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Don't worry. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. What I'm saying, the most important ingredient or thing that a child of God can have is follow the calling of God regardless when it makes sense, when it don't make sense. Too many people sold their self out to the world, trying to make its name out in the world, trying to be famous in the world. How's it working out for you? God will make your name great if you'll follow Him. We're coming to the separation, the fork in the road. The fork in the road is who you're going to serve. Choose you this day. Eventually, one day, there's a cursed seed that's going to burn in hell. God does not want anybody there. He don't want anybody to perish. He vividly shows you in Scripture the difference between the nature of the bad seed. The bad seed is self-exalting. Know-it-all. Their way or the highway. But the good seed is not my way, but Yahweh. It's sometimes in garden experiences of gaps of life we don't understand and saying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. It's God, wherever you say, go, I'll go. Because I know where you tell me will be blessed, will be honored. The whole rest of the scripture, he's going to highly develop the life of Abraham, which is the nation of Israel which is known to be the great seed. Out of that, you know what us Christians are? We're skull crushers. The devil's looking for the next one that's going to be the skull crusher of Satan. Every time he thinks he finds it, he goes 
absolutely ape mad. There come this time that a son had to be chosen to be the next leader of Israel, and they gather all the sons up. Prophet goes through there and goes, not him, not him. Goes through all of them and goes, you got to have another son. He goes, well, uh, I don't think, well, we got David's out there in the field with a bunch of sheep. He's dirty. He's been out there with the sheep all day. Tell him to come in here. They bring in little David. The prophet said he's the one. Sometimes the seed carrier, the skull crusher for God is the most unexpected person in the house. When God called me as a young boy into ministry, I could not speak plain. I had a speech uh, impediment, I guess you'd call it. Couldn't speak plain. I failed first grade. Went to a tent revival and a guy, he prayed for me. And he said, uh, little boy, can I pray for you the way I feel led to? And asked my parents. He took his finger and touched it to his tongue and touched it to my tongue. And instantly I was healed. And he said, from this day forward, you'll speak plainly, and one day you'll carry my gospel. Not about you, but I believe God calls people. He don't, he don't call qualified people. He calls people and then qualifies them. He told, he told Paul, Paul, find faithful people who shall be able. He's never needed able people. He's just needed faithful people. If you're in the gap in your marriage, stay faithful to God. If you're in the gap on your job, stay faithful to God. If you're in the gap in your health, stay faithful to God. Obey God. The other night I couldn't sleep, which is not unusual for me. And, and I was praying. My mom's been in the hospital for quite a while now. And she had her toe cut off. Now she's had about four inches of her foot cut off this week, Wednesday. And uh, one of the most powerful things we've had around here in a long time is Wednesday night worship. We hobbled in like a bunch of beat up people like the walking dead i come directly from the hospital in knoxville come in here and i, I told my mom i said you know you're going to be droggy for a while i'm going to get out i've got to be in that worship service we got here to this worship service well who'd you have you have some big name no we just had our people worshiping god very humbly and god moved in this place i, I believe god touched sherry sherry was up here singing sherry just went down and went to the altar the room began to pop, but the young people started coming. Other people, people prayed. People cried out to God. People felt released, felt helped and healed. And amazing things happened Wednesday night. I, I thought about that when I got home. That uh, sometimes in the gap, you don't feel like worshiping. I get it. You're beat down, beat up, lost your song. But it brought my mind to the children of Israel, you know, these, the seed carriers, the good seed people, the Israel. Once David was determined to be the man, the devil was after him. He didn't go to the crown. He went to the cave of Adullam. People were trying to kill him over and over again. They were trying to kill the seed, that, the head crusher. They never could get him. And David, like God at any time, can pull you out of the background of feeding sheep and he can bring you to the forefront. And David took five rocks and hit and broke the skull of a big old giant called Goliath. You never know when God's going to call you from your humble existence and he's going to bring you to the forefront. You may have never done nothing but killed a lion or a bear or something with a rock, sling. And God says, this is your day. He brings you the for you, you become the skull crusher of a giant. The devil never did get a clue. Finally, a woman that had never met a man becomes impregnated with a seed from on high and that was the seed and it was Mary and the seed was Jesus and Jesus crushed Satan's skull when he rose from the dead the third day. The devil don't get it. He knows that there's going to be a great move of God among the seed of Israel right before he comes. The Bible tells us in Revelation he'll take everything in earth and in heaven, all the fallen angels, all the bad seed and come against Israel right here at the last moment. We're coming to the dividing point. Used to, you could be over here with the bad seed Monday through Friday, and then you'd be over here with the good seed on Sunday, faking it. 
there become, there's coming a dividing in the road. You're going to have to choose whom you're going to serve. And I got news for you. You may feel mighty haughty and high like uh, Lot. He goes, well, I'm just going to go over here. You better be careful which way you go. Because the blessings that was on Abraham don't transfer to Lot when he's out of the will of God. Don't transfer. He got down there and got in a mess, lost his entire family. If there's ever been a time to be consciously thinking about God, but after all that happened Wednesday night, and I went home and I was praying and I kind of drifted off to sleep in prayer. And I, you know, they were saying, are we going to have church? Are we not going to have church? This virus is going crazy. And I just felt peace. It's like the children of Israel when they were in the gap and they were held in captivity. Babylonian captivity. And they said, sing us one of your songs. They go, we can't sing one of our songs of Zion being held captive in a strange land. I guarantee you some of you this week has felt like you may know you should, but you don't feel like singing a song because of what you're life is going through right now what your life is going through right now is hell and you just don't feel like singing about it but you know what God told Israel to do told them to take their harps off the willows and sing anyway God's looking for some people they don't have any signs of anything good fixing to happen but they take their harps off the willow and sing anyway God's looking for some people. They don't even hear no rushing mighty wind, but they take their harps off the willows and they sing anyway. They, they're in the gap. They don't see their promises coming about. They don't see anything good coming their way. But God wants you to take your harps off the willows and sing anyway, even if you're in a strange land, even if you're in the gap, even if you're at the point where your reality is, doesn't have very many fulfilled promises. And I'm going to tell you something. God's fixing to do amazing stuff. You're going to see. You're going to see. You're going to see the difference between the people that are of the nature of the good seed. And you're going to see the nature of the bad. You're going to. The bad seed's going to lie like you've never heard lies before. You think we're hearing a lot of lies on TV right now? You not even begin. They don't have to be any truth in it. They don't, they don't even. They don't try to even hedge their lies. They just appear out lie. The Bible said that's the father of lies. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But God is true. And he always is going to be true. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Praise him anyway. Glorify him anyway. Lift him up. But that night I was slipped off into sleep after this wonderful praise. And I said, God, just leave me, God. I, I'll, I believe I'll follow you. I believe I'll, I'll, I'll zero in on what you're telling me. And I just got the simplest things, and it could be me and going to sleep late and eating too late. I don't know. But God said, worship me. Worship me. My ratio between CNN News or Fox News or any news, my worship should be a lot more than that. Worship me. Worship me. The next thing was getting the word. Getting the word. The word is strength. The word is powerful. Worship, word, and then walk. I, I didn't get that one. Like walk, like get out and walk, walk it off, and water. I didn't get that one in the water. You know, worship, word. But you know why you're walking? You can listen to the Bible and you can listen to worship and you can drink water and you can stay more healthy. In other words, do what you can do, but worship me first and get in my word and I'm going to make your mind to be stayed on me. And you're not going to panic. You'll find yourself at peace. The Bible said the God of all peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. He'll turn you rather than be a panic-stricken fearful person that's running and hiding, it'll cause you to be a Satan crusher. I'm not believing your lies, Satan. There's a lot of things being concocted today as the truth, and it's a lie from hell. I promise you, I know that much. Everything they've done to get Jesus was all lies. All lies. 
Believe the truth today. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ today. Turn to Him. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Well, since this has been a heavy sermon, I'm going to give you a little funny thing at the end here. You see how your nature, how nature is so wonderful. You ever see an animal get hit in the road? Or there's some animals, birds gathering around, they're eating. You'll see a black crow up on the wires. It's like he's out keeping watch. Car, car. What is that? The blackbird's warning them, warning them. And then they get hit by a truck. <laughs> blackbird can't say car. I mean, can't say truck, it says car. Okay, it wasn't all bad news today. I love you folks, though, but be seriously, God loves you. Take caution, but trust the Lord more than anything else. Turn off some of the fear-mongering a little bit. Your ratio, have you put more God in you and more worship in you than you have fake news in you? If you're not, you're going to be fearful. I appreciate you for coming today. It's like I'm preaching to the choir. You're the brave ones that came. You're the brave ones that came. I'm going to ask for our prayer team to come up today. We're going to pray. And if you come up, if you don't want nobody touching you, we don't need to touch you. You can just kneel at the altar. God's the one that does everything anyway. But we would definitely hear you. I, I would covet your prayers for my mom. Uh, my dad's sister was up from Florida visiting with my mom and my dad. And his daughter uh, had a bad accident where this vehicle came back and, and crushed her arm against the as they were backing up. So she's got compound fractures and they had to leave. Just one thing upon another. God's in control still. God loves you. I love you. And uh, we're going to pray. But if you want to pray, I'll pray with you. I don't mind shaking your hands, hugging your neck or whatever. Uh, but if you want prayer today, I'll be glad to pray for you. If you want to pray where you're at? you want to pray at the altar? However you want to pray to God, it's fine with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. God, I think it's a time to fear not. But realize, God, you are God and you've got everything under control. Help us today to trust you when it, we, we can't see it, we can't feel it, we can't touch it. Just because you said it, we're just going to do it. We're just going to follow your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.